Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ondo. Yes, well, hello gang. How is everybody? We have yet another fantastic show for you today with the great Albert Elm here to talk. I've actually known Albert for a while now, but I didn't really get to know him until we sat down and had this conversation. And uh, man, it went great. He worked for my friend and nemesis, Jacob Ausable, for a couple of years. So I've known him that way. But of course, you know, I knew he was a photographer, but I hadn't seen much of his work until fairly recently. And if you haven't either, you are in for a treat. It doesn't come as a surprise to me that he's been published on a ton of sites and has been named as a talent to look out for by the British Journal of Photography. But uh, Albert will tell you all about that very shortly. In other news, the podcast is going out into the world again, and this time we're going big. Yes, sir. The 1000 Books Art Book Festival is coming up April 21st through 24th at Charlottenborg here in Copenhagen, and I will be there all weekend recording some live talks with publishers and artists. I will also be manning a small booth for the show, promoting the show and talking some schmack with people. So um, that's right. This is your chance to say it to my face. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be really amazing. The, uh, the program they put together over there is ambitious and excellent, and uh, I can't wait. It's going to be really, really cool. So come check us. The info is up on our site on the page, and uh, I'll get that up on the face and Twitter soon. The only other thing, if you haven't done it yet, is be sure to check out the Mastering the Art of Contemporary Art show at Kunsthal Aarhus. They've built a really cool website with, uh, with documentation videos of the TV kitchen they built, art recipes, uh, workshops, and all sorts of other stuff. The show is up until April 17th, but they've made this fantastic website which has tons and tons and tons of cool documentation and interesting content. So be sure to check that out. That will also be on our site. In my opinion, it's an art show on a completely different level than the most of it. All right, that's it for the news segment. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm having my first solo show in Denmark this summer, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please enjoy my compelling conversation with Albert Elm. It's a good idea. I like the spirit of just jumping right into it as well. I just got from the bus, and oh. I hope that's okay. Not having, not having. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, you know, I don't do that much preparation either because the the idea is more that it's just a conversation, kind of see what happens, mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of you know. I was looking. I do a little bit of research, and I was looking at some interviews with you, mm -hmm. and it seems like they always ask the same questions often. Yeah, which is like, okay, Once in one hand it makes sense because it would be the most natural question to ask. Yeah. But at the same time, I was looking through the interviews and I was like, okay, 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 you know. You can tell people ask something that's already been asked because they all, sometimes they even ask the same way. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
But so the pressure's on me then to make the right question. <laughs> if it's a conversation, then it's equal, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, I invited you in here because I've known you for a while. And uh, I've known you through Jacob because mm-hmm. we've both worked for Jacob at certain points. Um, and in the beginning, you had no website. You had no, I, I couldn't, I never could find you. I was always like, what is that Albert up to? And then I could never find anything on you. Were you purposely hiding or were you uh, just kind of like waiting for your moment or what? I think I'm probably a bit shy. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think I also wanted some time to, 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 to feel that I had something to show mm. with my work at least. Um, I guess I started to, to, to share it with the world in, in 2012 because then I suddenly felt like this is actually onto something mm. where I think I felt like I was experimenting for quite some times uh, until that. I think that's important. Like, for example, just when I started to work with Jacob, um, I lost all my equipment. So What happened? Uh, I was on this trip in Eastern Europe, and uh, I got out of a taxi a bit too quick, and, and it just ran off with all my, all my shit. That's such a terrible moment. Yeah, it was really bad. But it ended up being a quite good thing, because then I started working with Jacob, and I got myself this little point-and-shoot camera, and... Uh, it was just starting from scratch. Mm. That can be good. To the point. And in fact, you not sharing your work until you felt you were ready reminds me that I kept putting work out and then throwing it away. So yeah. if you look at how many versions of, of a website or online presence I've had, I've probably had 10 to 12 different versions, which just means I would finish something. I'd be like, great, this is good. And then six months later, I'd be like, oh, wait, this is garbage. Yeah. Throw it all out and start over. And it's the same thing. Like you have to, you have to, you know, you have to feel like you're really ready and not just on day one, but on day 25. Yeah. You, know, you have to really, really. I think I tried to do that, but luckily I was not technically capable of doing anything. So uh, I had a, prob- a problem of some, some good ideas, but I, I never could fix it. I tried MySpace, but it was too ugly. And MySpace just, is fugly. Yeah. Does it even run anymore? I don't think I so. I think so, but no one uses it. No. But I mean, that's the thing. The whole, like, I guess some people use a website as a kind of work in progress sounding board. Uh, stuff comes up and goes down, and other people use it as a, I'm done. This is it. Yeah. And I think I do both. You know, that's why Tumblr exists and these other things or Instagram or whatever. Those are more for like, oh, this was just today. This was happening now and then. Yeah. But I have difficulties updating everything I do when I'm doing it. Well, that's the fucking thing. Uh, you have four or five different channels. Yeah, to work I think on. it's You're stressful. Like, I think Instagram is uh, is plenty and I'm not even active enough on that. I can see people keep day following me. Yeah. Like, it's just I'm not fresh enough, apparently. Uh, I think it's really difficult to... Uh, to uh, to to keep up with all that at the same time you have to be productive yeah like as some people they can be out shooting and then they can grasp taking a few pictures with their phone as well i just have to zone into into it otherwise it right it can actually take away from the work that you're trying to yeah. do yeah i suppose i was never good at doing more than one thing at a time well that's a powerful argument for not joining instagram because i'm always on the edge i haven't done it but i'm kind of like oh i could do it but then uh, you know, as a film photographer, I believe you're an analog photographer too, mm-hmm. right? It makes the steps to get them to Instagram 
a lot longer if you're going to show that kind of work. Or like you say, you have to remember to pull out something digital and take a picture of something you were already taking a picture of with a different camera. Yeah. And it does kind of pull you out of the moment. It's a bit of, it's a bit ironic being, being totally instant uh, on Instagram when you decided to, to follow that analog shooting process with this, which is a very long process, which is getting longer and longer, you know, sure is. prices is rising and films are probably going to be hard to get at some point for decent prices anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's the that's the kind of way I choose to work because um, actually I am very restless and I like to make everything uh, right now and here and then and like I like to act in an instant. But after trying film, I realized that it was a perfect uh, challenge for me. So Not, it makes the work better by slowing. Yeah, it I down. think so because otherwise I would look at the screen all the time and get confused. Uh, oh, that picture and start to doubt myself that mm -hmm. picture is not good enough maybe mm -hmm. even deleted uh, and end up being too confused to really be focused there is something very straightforward about shooting with film although more things can go wrong you shoot the film you get it back and that's fucking it that's what you have mm -hmm. you know and you're not going to throw it away i don't know about you i never throw negatives away no but you know so it could even sit for five years and then later you come back and you see something else Whereas, you know, digital stuff has a way of disappearing unless you're really, really good at file keeping. It's nerve-wracking. I think that's one big part of it that I, th I, th I think it's scary having everything on a, on a hard drive. Mm -hmm. Also because I've lost a hard drive on the floor before and then it stops to work and then what's up and you that's forgot it. to back it up. And nah, a negative you, you have there on the shelf. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. But then again, like I've so often thought like yeah i have a good shot and then the flash didn't go off or <laughs> the, oh, it was shaken anyway that's or right it, it just the didn't work and wrong or i probably messed up a good percentage technically yeah of of potentially good images but remember you probably also got some images you didn't think were going to be good yeah based off of the material or some sort of strange reaction or you know processing or whatever. i think so i like the chaos Although you're right, it really, really sucks when you're like, that's the one. And then you get it back and it's underexposed or something went wrong. You're yeah. just like, no. I tried a little bit too many times. <laughs> um, uh, it's part of it. But I'm starting to, I, I really am thinking about maybe going digital at some point because I could just imagine myself being far more productive. Mm. Um, saving a lot of money. Saving a lot of money, uh, being able to work every day. Mm -hmm. uh, all you, the time instantly but then again i don't know if that's a good thing for me well the thing is the way you work with 35 millimeter right yeah only 35 only i've tried different things but it never worked as well that would probably i mean that's the easiest format to replace with digital mm -hmm. i'd say in terms of quality and kind of similar aesthetic and all that but um you'd have to learn how to use the 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 that format to your benefit yeah you know or else you're just going to end up, you know, I think about like, for example, when Jacob uh, goes out and does a big project, he comes back with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rolls of film. Yeah. And the editing process for that is just insane. And it must be even worse when it's digital, when you literally can shoot anything without ever thinking about, oh, yeah, I have to True. change the role in a second or, you know, 
I but know. I shoot quite a lot on, not as much obviously as I would do uh, digitally, hmm. but I shoot still quite a lot. On on an average trip, I shoot between three weeks, ev- between 70 and 120 films. That is a lot. So it's still quite a lot. And uh, it's it's a bit of a, a journey to get through all that material, just technically, you know, just process, processing it. When I was in art school, I not did it myself, but I was handling the processing machine myself. Mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. it would take days to get through all the films and scanning all the files. And Fucking it's just, nightmare. <laughs> you know, that's the worst part, the scanning. The scanning is the worst part, for me at least. Yeah. Because you don't know, should I scan it. it all small or should I scan it all big, you know? Yeah. Or should I just scan the ones I eyeball, you know? And it's just, it can take weeks without yeah. even getting anywhere, really. Yeah. And you get disappointed all the way through the process because you thought you had an idea about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then you realize you didn't. Mm-hmm. And then you get disappointed. And then you get sad. And then you take a break from it. And then you get back <laughs> into it. And then you realize, wow, there might be something else. Right. Well, that's both the, the up and the downside, I guess, at the yeah. same time. But, it, I mean, that was one of the questions I wanted to well, wanted to touch on, which was the editing process. Because if you shoot that much, how the hell do you make sense of it? Do you have a preconceived notion? Do you know what you're going for? Or is it like fishing with a big net? You see what you have afterwards. It's very intuitive. Yeah. Um, I think I've the past two years I've had two or maybe three projects going on. Uh, I published a book in 2014 called elsewhere mm-hmm. which was i started that idea to to as an excuse to start to use my archive more mm-hmm. because I, I had this main main project that i thought was more important or anyway that was what i focused on the most uh, but it was just so frustrating seeing so much material uh, not being used so i've decided to try to make a different side project mm-hmm um which i'm i want to to keep as a series that book elsewhere maybe volume one two three that's the plan right now mm-hmm. um because it's nice to have an excuse i'm still looking in my archive once in a while if i don't have anything to do or if i feel like it or there's a lot of great stuff in an archive yeah especially when you put it away for a couple of years and you come back and see it with fresh eyes mm-hmm. and in fact i i deal with the same problem i have got tons of really great shots that don't fit into some sort of pre-conceptualized project yeah. I might be working on or something. And you're kind of like, I don't want to waste this. What am I going to, you know? And I think it's something something that also comes as you develop as a photographer or as an artist or whatever you call yourself. In the beginning, like back to the point of me starting just with a point and shoot camera and not really knowing what I did, it took me quite a while to, to get to where I am now, like mm-hmm. in terms of understanding myself and my aesthetic and and what I want to do with it. So, I saw my material differently back then than I would do now. So mm-hmm. if I go through it, I can see some potential that I didn't realize was there when, when I started, um, which is fun. It's but nice. It's, it's, yeah. al- it's, also, it's also important to remember to, to get something new done because mm-hmm. you can get too comfortable and digging around in your own archive. But when you say that you work on you know, in the last period you've had two or three different projects are these projects that are in progress you're still shooting or are they projects which have been shot and you're trying to make sense of uh both okay um i'm still trying to make sense of it all i guess um but 
last time I shot on my project, What Sort of Life Is This, which I'm having published, actually, soon. That was um, the one I saw the book cover for, right? Yeah. Um, last time I shot on that was February last year, so February 2015. Mm-hmm. I haven't been shooting anything for it since. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having some... I just had some films processed in Glasgow, 75 films or something. So if there is a very important picture in that deck of films, uh, I might use it, but I like it as it is now. Yeah. Um, is that project done when the book is done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I needed to need to stop it and start something new, I think, mm-hmm. which might take a while. I've been thinking about it. Uh, I don't know. Should should I should I try to be more specific this time, or should I should I keep doing what I've been doing? Well, that's where I think the magic is for a lot of a lot of really like photographers who are not just good but great. One of the hugest differences is in editing. Mm-hmm. It's so hard because if you shoot, let's say you know four thousand shots, you're probably going to have thirty shots, which can make a pretty excellent series or even 50 or even 80 and make a great book. But the question is, which good shots do you leave out because they do not help the narrative or they do not, you know, they may be uh, too recognizable as a style or, you know, because I have the problem of falling into the trap where I look at something and I go, this is a beautiful photo that's in. And it takes me a long time to realize it's beautiful, but so what, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where that's that trap. It's that difficult balance of of staying true to your own narrative, whatever that might be, because you can doubt that up and down forever. You sure can. <laughs> and and be true to the narrative that other people will see, yeah. which they probably don't know or probably not sure of either. Or read into it completely differently. Yes, anyway. it's, it's, that's, I think, the strength and the frustration and the challenge and blah, blah with photography. It's that it's so ambiguous and there are so many different ways of read into everything. Mm. And there's just images everywhere. And there is images everywhere. And what's the difference between a good one and a bad one? And is it taste? Is it skill? Is it whatever? Luck. Luck. <laughs> uh, Mr. Random. Yeah. Mr. Random on the hunt. Yeah. I mean, I think that's my big challenge for the next five or six years is learning how to edit both before and after I shoot. You know, making sure my ideas are sharp before I even begin and then learning how to continue that process to an even higher level as i go on because i i i used to work very much uh, intuitively and i think the sad truth is that i'm just not a good enough photographer in that style i'm much better if i preconceive what i'm doing what i'm going for or even create some sort of limitations you know because mm. like you said with the film having a limitation yeah can help steer where the project's going to go and if you don't have that limitation, maybe there's just too many options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Just maybe opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. And it's like you say, you work intuitively and that feels, that feels like the right thing to do. But I know what I mean. If, 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 you are just, um, if, if you're just totally left to your own, what can I say? Totally left to your own imagination, your own head, it can feel like, either too busy or too empty sometimes you don't know what you want out of it yeah um it's easy to go down the wrong path and it can be hard to go back and yeah. go down the right path but then again uh it could be for example calling 
calling the project the name of the town you're visiting, or even though that may be a bit easy, but but just thinking in that way makes is already a frame set. Yeah. Like okay, I'm gonna make a portrait of this town, uh, meet the people. I mean, calling a book Copenhagen would not be about Copenhagen as Copenhagen anyway. It would be about the people you meet and how you interact with it and. That's absolutely right. Um, and it gives you some sort of direction to go in yeah. instead of just wandering. As much as good stuff can come from just wandering, at a certain point, you need to start looking. Yeah, but. and yeah, exactly. And curate things a little bit. Mm. Um, I think that's my dilemma with photography. Maybe my biggest one. Mm. Probably have a few, but the biggest I can think of right now is is to try to find the balance between it being too banal and it being too thought over mm -hmm. because if it's personally, I, I'm, uh, I'm not necessarily totally bought um, by some very, very serious thought of conceptual uh, art, historic, correct, blah, blah. I'll, kind say, of, I'll say it for you. There's some really boring conceptual uh, <laughs> art yeah. projects. It, it doesn't necessarily catch my attention. Yeah. But then again, it can also be be a bit too random sometimes. And sometimes I'm worried about my own work being it, mm -hmm. especially on a bad rainy day. You know, you can look at your own way work and and think, wow, that's just totally random. What happened? Yeah. And then on, a, on another day, you think, wow, okay, that's actually something. Right. Um, well, it's that space artists live in between yeah. crippling self-doubt and, uh, you know, horrendous ego you know there's something right in the middle that sweet spot which and is both like, is very important yeah absolutely um because if i mean if you're only an ego and you, and you just ride yourself out then you're gonna crash at some point but if you don't believe in yourself and if you're just shy and uncomfortable with everything you do you're not gonna get anywhere either you're gonna have to have some reason to fight yeah um was it hard for you in art school? Because I, I, I went to art school myself, and what, what it basically was, at least whenever we talked about art, was endless, endless, endless picking apart of art and, and talking about why, why, why. And it was really hard for people who worked intuitively because it's not, it's, you know, you don't write long essays about how you work intuitively. You just go fucking work, mm. you know? And so it, the format, is very tough. Now, if you look in the art world, there's plenty of artists who work intuitively, but then they get someone else to write about it. You know, they don't talk themselves about it because there's really nothing to say in that case. Was it hard for you at art school, that, that endless discussion? Yeah, very much. I actually thought about, especially in the end, I thought about dropping out a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's but endless. It wasn't because of the school. It was a good school. Yeah. Uh, Glasgow School of Art. Uh, I had a really good time there. Mm -hmm. But But personally... I I felt that obviously there is a reason why you're in school because you you uh, you put yourself there to 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 uh, evolve and to to teach yourself something and um, I don't know what I expected from it actually. Yeah, I don't think anybody does. No, going to art school. I think I thought it could make me better, and that's it. Did it? Mm, I think so. But not because of, not necessarily because of. I think what I what I what was best for me was put in a situation where I had freedom and time and space mm -hmm. 
to 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 think differently and 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 not be strangled by all kinds of responsibilities that that would like like as life is now when you're not in school anymore there's yeah. so many things you have to to worry about which takes the energy away from you to to be creative that's absolutely so I, right i think i i it did a lot to me but i also had a problem with with everything suddenly having to be having to be so specific mm-hmm. i felt i felt an urge from from my tutors to 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 sometimes not necessarily tutors but just a general because it makes sense during school but like a, a general urge to put me in in some kind of box are you are you a documentary photographer are you a art photographer are you a, a documentarian are you what is it that you are Yeah, and you can start to ask that yourself, and then you suddenly start doubting what 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 is it that I'm doing. Yeah, um, but I enjoyed it a lot. But sometimes I thought it was a bit, and I think I think I still have that rhythm. Sometimes I just get a really bad taste in my mouth of being creative. I just have to drop it completely, and sometimes I just can't look myself in the mirror. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, photographers and artists are assholes, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just think this is ridiculous. I have to do something serious with my life, and yeah. then I don't think about photography for a while. And then suddenly, I, th- I, I really miss it. Like now, for example, spring, I, I feel like doing something. Yeah. Um, well, but I it mean, comes and goes. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the, the 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 thing that happens is like in a way you're just compelled. You can't. You know, no one would recommend being an artist. No one would be like, "Hey, they, I've got a great idea for the rest of your life." How about 99% chance of grinding poverty, 1% chance of everything going great, and uh, crippling self-doubt for the rest of it? Yeah. You know, like it's not it's not a career path, right? No, it's it's challenging. It's just because, I mean, in a way, you just can't help it. I think. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, and you have to accept that effect. But yeah, article was 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 I loved it. It was great. Also, being in a different town for a while and right, it helps to get away. Yeah, uh, it started something. Yeah, well, it's in a weird way. As as stupid as it sounds, you do admit to yourself that you're taking yourself seriously when yeah. you go to a school like mm-hmm. that, and you enter a program which says you're going to make art full time. And all you're going to do is is work on this. Yeah. And in a way, that's like as as stupid as art school may seem. For the most of us who have a hard time with, am I really doing this? Am I not doing this? What's going on? It's the start of a path of saying, mm-hmm. okay, I am going to do this. Yeah. And that can be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's especially in the last year when I was in my fourth year, and you have to write your essay and you have to. You have to sit down and reflect, kind of, of what happened and what what you wanted out of it and everything. It, it it's sort of the first time you realize because all the other years are just playful. You just have fun and you explore and you you, you don't really realize what's in the other end. Right. And then you suddenly real, realize, wow, this is actually uh, something I choose to do with my life. Kind of. This is. I mean, I didn't go to university. I went to art school. It's kind of. It's not. It's, it's got to be a matter of time before it's too late to turn around. Yeah. Um, which is which is exciting. Yeah. 
But well, also, what you're uh, saying is that I accept the uncertainty. I love doing this so much. I will accept the uncertainty. Yeah. Of knowing whether it'll at all work out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that I think is the big difference. I just heard a great saying the other day uh, that artists, uh, normal people go to work to earn money. Artists earn money to go to work. Yeah. And that struck me as pretty true in a lot of ways. Like you're the only reason you get money is to get some freedom to make some goddamn work. Yeah. You know, and, and then it, hopefully one day it turns around. Yeah. If you're lucky, all <laughs> those, all that fucking money you put into it. Yeah. But that, that is the difference because you it's talk about not to think too a, much about that, I guess. Yeah. But at the same time, you also have to remember, cause there's so much talk now about art being a career. You have to be professional. You have to be mm. career oriented. You have to network and all yeah. that stuff is absolutely true, but it's not the same as being a door to door salesman. No, it isn't. No. And you can, you can tell that's that, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in, in the creative world in general. It's been uh, commercialized very much. Sure. It's a lot of money now. Yeah. And it it's it making it a bit, a bit slick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, which know. I think you can, I think you can tell in Copenhagen a little bit. I mean, I th- one thing I really liked about being in Glasgow is there is this kind of grassroots uh, attitude towards being an artist and, and it's, fairly easy to get by on a part-time job and you can you can you can easily create some work and uh, people have artist studios around town and there is a lot of small openings all the time Uh, wednesday thursday friday saturday Uh, a lot of like art going on with and this is this really nice loose attitude towards it when Copenhagen sometimes I feel it's a bit tight it's a bit official it's a bit you know people wear their nice clothes and it's kind of like it's a bit of a tight atmosphere around it sometimes that I think is a bit makes me anxious a little bit like it's a bit too it's a bit too serious I mean isn't that a cultural thing though isn't that kind of Copenhagen yeah I suppose we're a bit serious but it was really nice to (laughs) to experience in in Glasgow, how everything is just a were yeah, a bit more yeah. It's easy. A, it's the same in Chicago. I went to school in Chicago, and it was a lot more. I mean, I think that's also a natural thing that happens when there isn't so much money in the system. Because when money comes, then things get more professional. Yeah. Which is either good or bad, slick, not slick, whatever. But when there's no money, it's only people who really want to who take part. Mm-hmm. And they don't expect anything in return. Which changes the stakes entirely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think I think there's some of that here, but there isn't nearly. I don't as much. mind both. I think it's okay that there is some kind of uh, wow, far up there on the mountain somewhere, kind of gap. I don't mind that too much. I think it's okay that uh, I, not that I like his work necessarily, but it's it's okay that there isn't a Jeff Koons. It's okay that right. there is a Dave Minion Hurst, and right. it's okay that there is this letter, but. It's just a problem when it kind of shadow too much over the other part of it. Right. Um, th- the, the, could, middle, that, the middle step is, is kind of obscure. Yeah. If people, if people get too used to think of art as, a, as, as like a dead serious thing, hmm. uh, it kind of kills the creativity, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like in a way from, the, from some of the research I did that you kind of realized somewhat early that you weren't going to go the traditional route 
uh, I saw, or at least someone said that you had dropped out of high school mm-hmm. uh, and that you had started shooting at a pretty young age. Uh, did you have any sort of thoughts about that being something you wanted to do then? I think it came a little later. I started to use a camera quite early, maybe when I was 12, 13, uh, just because I was bored at family gatherings and I was bored a lot in general. So it was a good, it was a good thing to run around and do. Mm. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think I thought of photography being like a part of me before later. It was just like, kind of a hobby uh, all the other boys played football and i wasn't good at that so i found a camera i didn't really dig that deep into it mm. but then when i dropped out of high school i realized this is actually what i think i want to do with my life or at least i want to check it out more why'd you drop out of high school because i just it wasn't me fuck this place yeah maybe yeah i think i got too I, i wasn't bothered about making my homework and I wasn't really bothered about it. And, and then in the end, I just had a bad feeling in my stomach every day, every day I went to school. It was just, and then I realized this is probably something you have to listen to and uh, do something about. And when I mentioned, mentioned it to my mother, she was like, Oh, I'm surprised she didn't mention it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> she and, saw it in you. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Where were and you I'm, in the world at that point? In Svendborg, South Denmark. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But there weren't a lot of options to to play with photography down there either. So I decided to go out and and sail. Right. Yeah, what's up with with, that? With this uh, training ship, Geostay. Is that one Uh, of the student ships? Yeah, we have two. For becoming a professional maritime... uh, Yeah. What do you call it in English? I guess it would just be a sailor. A sailor. You could just call it a sailor, yeah. Huh. So you were thinking I'm going to be a big bad sailor man and get an anchor. I don't think I was too. thinking that in the big. I, I I did think about it at some point yeah. when I was out there. I thought like, wow, I could do a career in in sailing, and this is great. And the freedom is great. Yeah, just being out there and you lose sense of time, and it's lovely. Yeah, uh, it suited me very well. Mm. But I think when I got back to to Copenhagen, I, I, it still was the. It still was photography that was dragging me the most, so I decided to to, to start at Fata Morgana, mm-hmm. and that's probably where it all started to be a bit more serious. Yeah, did you work for Jacob at that point, or did that? Come it started later? a little bit later. Okay, I went to Fata Morgana, and then uh, when I was done with that, I decided to sail a little more because I had a debt and I wanted to pay it off, mm-hmm. which I didn't manage to do. <laughs> so, but I sailed a little more. Yeah, uh, and then. Um, Morten Bo put me and Jacob in contact and then we started to work together or I started working for him right so for people who don't know Feta Morgana is a private uh, photo school here probably the biggest most important photo school in Denmark I'd say for that kind of thing yeah yeah and uh, Morten Bo is the director uh, and Jacob also is a graduate Jacob Ausabot mm. is also a graduate of the program but do, what was it like going to Feta Morgana It was good. I think maybe I was a bit too young. I don't know. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was too young when I went to art school. Yeah. You don't um, know what to do. I don't know if I was too young of, or, or, I mean, you can't really, it's hard to say in retrospect. It's a matter of experience, right? It's not yeah. age, it's experience. Where have I been now if I didn't go to Feta Morgana at that age? Sure. Would, would I have been different? Sure. Probably. Would I have got gotten more out of Feta Morgana starting there later? Being a bit more mature, 
Mm, I don't know. But that's all part of it, really. Yeah. I think it, somehow it was a really good time for me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it I've a done quite a lot. program or? No, I, I I was only there for five months. Oh, okay. Months. So it's mega. It's really short. It's really short. I should have. It was my plan to be there longer, but it, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Uh, um, private schools. Yeah. But I think that that has been like I'm quite used to that. I've always been the youngest. Mm. Also, when I was in the training ship, I was much younger than everyone else. I was only 16. I turned 17 on board, and That's pretty wild. everyone everyone else were you know from 24 and up to 30. Wow. So, so I don't know. Maybe that's just been. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah. But, but you, then you started working for Jacob, mm-hmm. which is like a school in and of itself, really. Yeah, you've, it was a schooling. I mean, I've, I've worked several times. The most I've ever learned for, about what I do has been from working in industries related to it. Mm-hmm. So either working for photographers or working in a camera store. I worked in a camera store for many years. Yeah. And, you know, we sold tons of used equipment, which means I can pretty much figure out how any camera works. Mm-hmm. I never learned that in school. No. You know, like maybe they have one four by five and one medium. It's all the small things that you would never think about. That's the most important things to, I think, right? Yeah. And working in framing has taught me the most about the art world and how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so school is good, but it's only the first step, really. Yeah. So I imagine for you, working for Jacob was is kind of a big changer. Yeah, it was also because it, I was again very young, and yeah, well, I'm still young. I'll be young for a while. Then. Um, <laughs> You'll be young till you're old. Yeah. Um, but I was very young and, you know, even though I went to Feta Morgana, it was still, photo- photography was still like playful to me. Mm-hmm. You know, still kind of like a game, uh, you know, was playing around with it. And it wasn't until I met Jacob, I realized that it's also something that, you know, uh, you can like it's a serious thing it's not only a game it's not only playful it's not only whatever it's it's well i mean that man works harder than almost anybody i know yeah i haven't met any anyone like him it's pretty insane how much he works which which taught me something as well (laughs) yes yes indeed um yeah yeah i mean it's uh, wait how long did you work for him On and off, I think two years all together. Okay. But spanning over almost three, I think. Yeah. I don't remember quite. That's about right. You don't want to do more or less. You know, you want to be in there for a while and then you also got to say, huh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I got to the point where I thought, well, now it's time to try something else. I yeah. also got really tired of Copenhagen and yeah. I, I don't know. It's just been a big part of me having, I mean... Uh, my parents are divorced and they were divorced quite early in mm-hmm. my life. So I think being on, being on the go has, uh, is, is, is a very, very important part of my being. Staying somewhere for too long drives me nuts. Mm. Uh, that's why I just got back from Jutland now as well. Sometimes I just have to just get it out of here, get out and, yeah. and, and move. And I think that has been a really, I think that is, my photography more or less mm-hmm. the 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 urge to get out and feel myself 
because I think I feel myself more when I'm out. Like a city, any city, it just completely drags me down over time. I have to go out and do something at some point. Mm. Um, and I think that was that's why it's been important for me to 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 always go on adventures. Like for example, going out sailing or traveling or I've been hitchhiking quite a bit when I was younger and always try to stimulate myself in in that sense. Does that come naturally or is it something you have to push yourself to do? Both. I think it comes quite naturally. Or at least it did when I was younger and more naive, but it's something you did and and you didn't realize what you were doing. Yeah. Um but it's different now, I think. Yeah. Also, you just you, you just don't pack your bag on a Tuesday and go out to the highway and and hitchhike unless you have saved up some money or a friend is renting your room or you can afford a nice jacket so you don't get cold or whatever you know. Like you said earlier, there's real life shit to deal with. Right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the dividing lines between a lot of um, hobby artists and professional artists is is being able to manage everything else life throws at you and still. That's the challenge. Work. Yeah. But it's interesting. I, n- I don't think I've ever seen you carry a camera. And so it seems like what you do is like in your daily life, you're not so much, you know, you were working for Jacob, you were doing whatever. You didn't have a camera on you. But then you go out and shoot 100 rolls over three weeks. Yeah. And then put it away again. I would like to, I would like to change that again because it used to be uh, different. I used mm-hmm. to carry a camera all the time. I still... Still do, but like a pocket camera in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I think it plays a big role that I was robbed once right. uh, with my camera out uh, on the outside of my jacket, and and now I just really feel uncomfortable having a having a camera around my neck. It's weird. I mean, I know it. It's not. It's not a rational thing. It's not like I'm scared of being robbed again because I know what the chance are. But mm-hmm. it's just a, a little scar in my mind. Yeah. I, I hate walking around with. I even don't like walking next to someone who has a camera around the. I th- it just screams. I think it just uh, you just associate it, it with that event. Yeah, or just I don't like the attention that it mm. drags to you. I don't like the 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 the, the I am different right. position I'm being put right. in, and I still struggle with that when I'm out photographing. I don't like being that uh, very specific character, being between you and the subject. Yeah, a, a kind of like, but that's just me overthinking everything. But you know, well, what are you, Mister Privileged uh, Tourist, uh, or I don't know? Yeah, well, so, there, so there's I, a I, lot of talk about that. Yeah, I yeah. struggle a lot with with using the camera as a tool sometimes, mm-hmm. but 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 it's just sometimes I just forget it and I enjoy it. Well, like you say, it's it's it, it's intuitive. You have to kind of get into the moment. Mm-hmm. Instagramming can pull you out of the moment, which means that it doesn't just come. It's something you have to build up. It's something you have to work yourself into, mm-hmm. and it, it it comes and it goes. Yeah, I think it really is a state of mind, mm. especially when you're in the shooting process. When I'm in the shooting process, it it takes uh, it takes quite a while to get into it. Mm. Uh, what it is, I'm not quite sure. But it's you need to warm up, and you need to. It's it has a lot. To, it's 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 kind of like a game you have with yourself, mm. um, a confidence game, I suppose, or some sort of weird dance with the camera with the machine. Which yeah, you have to like kind of reckon with in yeah. some sense and become 
not friends with, but not, you know, some sort of partner with. I think I feel pretty much in charge over my camera. Like that's my dog. <laughs> uh, that doesn't, that doesn't make me worried. But the, the, the challenge I have with myself is much bigger. Like my confidence and my self-esteem and everything I have when I have a camera in my hand. So when you're shooting, like, you're thinking, what the fuck am I doing? Or ki- kind of. Or, or if I want to take someone's portrait uh, and I get rejected, that, that's, a, that's a deep cut. You know, like it's, it's mm. just, and that's, that's the dance. I dance with myself when I'm out with a camera. Totally psychological. If if you if everything goes well and it's a nice day and and you have had some good contacts with 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 people and everything is going well, you can be completely surfing right. on on confidence and and it's good. Not that it makes any good pictures. I'm not saying that, but but just in contrast to if you get your confidence broken somehow in the beginning of the day, it's really hard to drag you up again. And you walk around in the streets in some foreign city and you don't know anyone. You don't know what's around the corner. You are just there by yourself with your camera, having your personal mission of doing what. Um, I think that can be really challenging, but it's also what's magical. It sounds like it's something to do with vulnerability too. Yeah, I think so. With being kind of like open enough, but not too far open that that something can damage you. Yeah. You know, like finding some sort of weird little door where you're in that in-between state. Mm-hmm. And again, not it's not a rational thing. It's mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not uh, ooh, I'm in a bad neighborhood. I should watch out. Maybe I should hide my camera. That's not what, I'm, what I mean. Yeah. It's this, it's this, it's your own head that's just dancing and playing with you. Mm. Um. Well, let's talk about some of the work because I looked, you do have a website now, mm-hmm. which is good. That's nice. Uh, and you have uh, two series and a book on there, right? You yeah. The Everyday and then Fish Out of Water. But they're two, two projects together now. It's all going to be published in What Sort of Life Is This? Okay. But I just haven't updated that. So that's kind of an interesting question because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about projects. Um it seems like there's some fluidity between your work. You know, what I was going to ask was what's the difference between the two projects on your website? And I think you just answered, there isn't necessarily a difference between them. There were in the beginning, um, in the beginning for quite a while, I thought it was different things, but I've, I've been working on, on this project, uh, which was, I thought as being very much my own life and my own environment, everyday life, people I met, etc. Um, and then I went on a trip with Jacob on the Trans-Siberian and I told myself that this is supposed to be a different thing and I wanted to try to be a different photographer. I wanted to... It's a f- few years ago now. How um, so? How different? Just try something else, like be one who... Be maybe be an extrovert instead of an introvert like try to try to reach out in the world and be a documentary photographer you know a plate with that idea and and i wanted to try that but then i could see on my behavior that it was i wasn't doing anything different i was just in a different town so i realized slowly that it was it didn't matter and now i'm even more sure that it doesn't matter um, so I decided to 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 make it into one. 
And that you are what you are and the way you work is the way you work. And that's just it. Yeah. For now. Yeah. For now. Until I finish this thing. Yes. Yeah. Which I will in this year. And then what? You got to do you're you're making a cut and then moving on. Maybe I'm going to start to paint. Ceramics. I recommend (laughs) ceramics. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, installation or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's prob- probably have- not. Probably not. I'm probably going to stay with photography, but but I don't want to. Ex- I don't want. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm going to start to paint. Hmm. Um, probably going to keep taking pictures. Seems like you can't help yourself. Yeah. In it's funny. I don't. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. Um, but it's it's growing in me. This 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 feeling of of dividing it. It. Uh, for long for long periods of time, I don't photograph at all. Mm. I don't use my camera. They run run out of battery and uh, collect dust. Uh, and then it being a photographer is something completely different for me. Yeah. Try to play with the pictures and edit and imagine what it could be like in a book. Imagine the book as a form. And I'm having this book published uh, maybe late this year or the first months of 2017. So it's quite interesting chapter to to get into and try to imagine it as a as an object suddenly. Right. One thing is the narrative. I've been working on that for quite a while and uh, still doubt it. Will always probably doubt it a little bit mm-hmm. because it's ambiguous and it's supposed to be that that's the balance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, it's interesting now to imagine it as a finished piece, an object. Play you with. Can't do anything about it once that book's no. published. And it's suddenly much more concrete because, you know, uh, a lot of pictures, sometimes on a wall, mostly on a hard drive, sometimes printed, sometimes on an exhibition, it's it's still pretty abstract. But when you make a book, it's it it's, feels like it all comes together as something more concrete. Right. Which is a nice experience. Yeah. So I'm yeah. really excited about that. Yeah, and I think you're right. It's a good way to put a put a period at the end of a sentence. You know, mm-hmm. to, to to say, okay, whatever this is, this is like so. You know, you're mm-hmm. going. There, there isn't. You know, as much as you can keep working with the material or do other things, that's kind of it. It's fixed. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to seeing some of your paintings. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm thinking more and more about it actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, that uh, I have no experience with painting it at all. Yeah. Uh, like, but I don't know. There's no reason wanna, not to. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's really literally well, no reason. Francis not Bacon to. started quite late, as as far as I know. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't know. It's all part of that weird process, which yeah. is the life of uh, someone who works creative creatively. Yeah. Um, also, I, that's how I think of photography. Th- that's. Back to art school, it, it's uh, something I've struggled with a lot in in in, in art school. I didn't. I, I think it was a bit disappointing, and I think that's a problem with photography in general. Actually, maybe still that there is so many expectations to what a photograph is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 you walk into an exhibition and you and you 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 deal with paintings. At, Maybe I'm completely wrong. That's a possibility, but I feel that there is not the same uh, um, expect- expectations in terms of of why, right. 
what is that you know like a photograph i don't know if it's the if if people blindly still trust a photograph as a document or if photography is the truth or totally. if if photography is uh, you know well it doesn't come from nothing that's the thing a, a, yeah. a photograph is a mechanical document of something and i don't mean a document in any sort of sense of truth but it it comes from capturing something yeah. or, or affixing light onto a light sensitive mm-hmm. surface whereas a painting is literally from nothing yeah and so you have no responsibility to any sort of which is magical it is and it's it is i mean i i i took a philosophy of art class in college And uh, there was a philosopher, I don't remember his name, who argued that there's no way photography can ever be art because it doesn't come from nothing. And I was so mad and I was debating the teacher endlessly about it, but I, I couldn't like it was it, the argument was sound mm-hmm. that it will never come from your soul, your heart, your mind, whatever it is, because it is tangentially tangentially related to the world in that mm-hmm. sense. Walter Benjamin and all that, you know, the the age of mechanical reproduction and right. uh yeah, I've been through that in, in art school as well. And it makes it um it makes the narrative different. Like you say, people expect something when they look at a photograph, you know, and just look at the poor world press photos, what they're trying to deal with with mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. You know, journalistic truth and photography, you're fucked. Right now there's no way to tell the truth. There never was, but even more now, no way to tell the truth with photography. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> maybe 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 in 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 th- maybe that's the single one excuse uh well press photo to have somewhere where uh photography is not manipulated with maybe that's that one category that's gonna survive right. uh, n- not manipulated right um I can understand that I mean that's all right, but I wouldn't ever want to to play with my own photography that way because I'm not if if that's being a photographer I'm not a photographer I'm a picture maker I don't I don't care what like, do you mean playing with truth or manipulation or what truth yeah like I've been asked quite a few times like like I have had discussions with with people would would you want to move something in a picture and would you do you or even even cropping is still a a, a problem for someone which I really can't wrap my head around why that would be a problem for someone but that's just that's just that's just me like why would you why would you give a shit sorry but (laughs) like i mean i'm not i'm not like i'm not trying to 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 show off like look how good i can shoot shoot from the hip and still compose a good picture i mean that's not it for me i I think it's interesting to, to 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 make a nice image right and uh i think that other uh half is 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 uh, conservative and a stick in the wheel. I think it's... They're it's losing. Not. I mean, I think that's why it makes... The, why the fight is so intense, because, you know... I don't know if it's, it's a game, but yeah. Well, it's, it's just, a, it's just you know, uh, you can't... You'd never... I mean, they've talked many, you know, a hundred years ago about how photography isn't the truth, and it's not getting any easier to represent as the truth, but it's still accepted in in, in court show images of the crime scene of people being doing something you know mm-hmm. in the newspaper all those images are purported to be true etc etc 
you know, it's 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 based off of a level of acceptance of truth and fact, which mm-hmm. which which it was more than a painting, but still not like experience. No. But do you see any sort of in your work, is there any sort of attempt to document or is it more you're making pictures out of scenes? That's a good question. I think even if I didn't want to, I am documenting uh, because I am dealing with a piece of reality, whether I want it or not. Mm. Um, And I am interested in the fact of documenting because why would I find it more interesting to go to India and take a picture instead of just going down the block on this street? Um, I suppose it has something to do with me being curious about different different cultures and different ways of being human and etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, so I suppose I do document what I feel and how I see something uh, but it's a good question because I've, 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 I've thought a lot about it myself you know like it's like I mentioned earlier I've, I went on this um I went on this trip with Jacob and I thought I was gonna, I was gonna be this, you know, I had, I felt like trying to be a more traditional documentary photographer. And I think I tried to, but I just got carried away with the, in the same way I have done before. And you kept taking these weird pictures and, you know, it felt like going weird places. Um, so I suppose that's the difference. A documentarian, image maker, a funny mix, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's that inherent visual, you know, vision of truth that's built in photography that you can't yeah. avoid, really. Mm. You know, even as a, you know, even if you're taking out of focus uh, abstract images, yeah. it's not the same as painting a picture. No. And it's, it is a truth because it's the truth of how I felt and it's the truth in terms of what I wanted to to depict from that scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a good way to wrap things up. The question becomes, what is is art for, for you personally? What is it for? Why do you do it? What, what, uh, what purpose does it serve? Yeah. I know it's the worst question in the world. No, it's a good one. <laughs> I always it's say a good it one. to the end. It's, it's, uh, it's the one we ask ourselves a bit too often, maybe. Yeah. Um, it, but it it's all it's hard to make it a short one, you know. Um, I think for, f- photography has, without sounding too eccentric, photography has probably been a good friend to me that I that I traveled through life with so far since I was twelve. Um, which has changed now. I think now I'm. Now photography is, uh, it's probably a bad thing, but now there is way too many options in photography, way too many possibilities in photography. It can, it can, it can feed a family. It can create an exhibition. It can be shown on a billboard commercials. It, but you don't think about that when you're 12. Um, I think there's many different reasons why, why I got so excited about it, but I think, I, th- I had a very chaotic life 
Um, and I think somehow I I loved walking out with a tripod at night and I took ugly night photographs. And but I think it, photography was a way for me to to slow down time when I thought it was all passing by too quick. Um, even when I was a child, I th- I thought sometimes things was flying a bit too fast. Um, I think that's perfect. It's on the other friend. hand, sometimes if if it's not fast enough, it can drag you out into the world and give you an excuse to, I don't know, to, to not stay. to knock on someone's door or go into a bad neighborhood or you know f- or act weird. Yeah, it's a little bit more okay being weird with a camera than being weird without anything. It is some sort of excuse for behavior, right? Yeah. In a strange way. Some kind of a shield. Do you have any sort of uh, relationship to the viewers? Or is it more... Sometimes. Sometimes. It really depends. Some 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 subjects sound so... Some people in my pictures are my good friends. Or some people I meet in the street. Uh, but I'm thinking more about your audience. When you publish a book... Whoever's going to buy this book, enjoy this book, collect this book, do you ever think about them? Yeah, I think about them a lot. Hmm. Um, I think it becomes it's when I mean when when a book is I think maybe in general when a book is out there, it's not your book anymore. That's and right. I think I think a lot about that in the editing as well. Um, um, I talked with a photographer once about narrative and. It was quite interesting. I think it changed my perspective of it a little bit because you sometimes you you have this um, you have this uh, um, very strong about your narrative being it. Um, but then he mentioned, yeah, but no, you can you can you can try as hard as you want to make it your narrative, no matter how hard you try. It's gonna be someone else's when they open the book. Um, I can do whatever I can to, to, to try to create some kind of a framework, um, try to create some sort of a rhythm, uh, maybe guide people through it in a way that I like, um, introduce them to, to, to certain things that I made a decision about. Mm. But it's always going to be their story. Right. And I think that's the strength. Um, so that's why I also hesitate to 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 explain everything too much which again is a balance because if you don't explain anything a lot of people will judge it as being random and uh, the easy way out and cheap excuse and etc there is many um but i think it's just stronger when you can leave people their peace to 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 read your thing their way right and to put it into their lives yeah you know to fit it into some sort of of their own narrative because yeah. you can't come to anything neutral. Exactly. It's your own adventure, I think. And that's how I got into photography myself as well. Like, uh, I got this book in Berlin when I was there in seventh grade, mm. uh, just called the, the 20th century of photography or opposite. Um, and I couldn't read German really well. So for me, it was just a thick book with old pictures in it. And, uh, I think it was good. I would have it in. I would have small pieces of paper, and I would have it in uh, in my school bag, and I would sit and read it or look in it, look look through it in the in the school bus on my way home. And I think that was just a, a huge uh, world opening up. Mm. 
And I think that world became strong because I didn't read the text. Right. You just interacted with the images. Yeah. And also some of the photographers that I'm really into today is, 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 is mm, not photographers who's bound to text work. Like, for example, the people who taught me the most was probably Dido Moriyama and William Eggleston and Stephen Shaw. And, right. You people know, who are telling a specific story. Yeah. Or, or maybe what they're telling us is living life. You know, what does it look like? In, the bigger picture. Yeah. Or Gary Vinogrand when he says, like, you know, my work is what does life look like through a camera you know mm. and it sounds so banal but i don't think it is yeah like william eggleston is one of my obviously like many others huge inspirations and and he's been okaying it a lot for me like he's uh, you know back to the back to the thing of what's random and what's not you know when his big solo exhibition came out on in in MoMA, you know, people thought it was boring and banal and color was, photography was literally not art. It, people didn't get it. And, and I think that's an, a, a photographer and writer, Paul Graham, he wrote a really interesting text piece, I think on it called the unreasonable apple, uh, which is about this way of, of dealing with photography. You know what, why, why do we need something that's very, very, uh, um, specific and, uh, bound to art history and conceptual and to to accept it as something that can give us something something we can hang up in a gallery uh why do we need that you know what and i think it's funny that that there is this attitude and this ten- tendency to 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 claim that that kind of photography is banal because mm. it's it's dealing with life in such a direct way and 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 who can judge whether or not life is banal I don't. I, I don't know myself what the meaning of life is. So, as long as I don't know that, I think that direct attitude towards this kind of photography will not be the banal. It's a really good place to leave it. I think we got to get I you out of here. You got to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, it's the greatest answer to the question we've been skirting around this whole time. Why is it worth it? Yeah, And the answer is it's worth it, or the answer could be it's worth it because we don't know the answer. Yeah. You know, we don't be f- know what the point is. No, it's like it's like playing Besa Visa when you know all the answers to it. It's, it's like if, if when you know right. or some kind of trivial pursuit, uh, if you know all the cards in the game, it wouldn't be funny to play, I yeah. think. Would it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. Not for very long, at least. No. It's the adventure. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Albert. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. That's nice. All right, that was Albert. Check him out out there. There'll be links to his stuff on our site. That's good shit, right? I had a great conversation with him. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper. And today's interstitial music was provided by CSIS. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our TV kitchen of a website, undergang.net. If you like this show, we would appreciate it if you'd take a second to leave a review on iTunes so others can find us. 
This show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council. Thank you so much for joining us. See you at Charlottenborg on the 22nd and 23rd of April. Thank you.